If you have your Bible today, I'd like you to open with me to the uh, Gospel according to Luke. Again, we'll be in Luke chapter 20, and today we're going to begin in verse 45. Luke chapter 20 and verse 45. And you might remember last week we looked at the sonship of Christ. In particular, Jesus challenged his critics and opponents. You remember they've been coming after him uh, fast and, and furious, and they, they've been coming at him, trying to trap him, trying to, uh, to try, try to trip him up in some way. And so Jesus turns the tables, and he questions them, and he, he asks them, whose son the Messiah or the Christ is? Now, um, they, they rightly identify that the Messiah was going to be uh, the son of David, and he, he says, you know, you're, you're right on that, but... Um, and, and understand when I talk about uh, the Messiah being the son of David, I don't mean that David was his, his literal physical father. That's a Hebraic way of saying a descendant of, in this case, David. Um, but, but he said, you know, that's right insofar as it is, and this is my summation, that's right insofar as it is, but there's more to it than that. Because Psalm 110 and verse 1, David calls this Messiah, this one that would descend from him, his Lord. And so he was pushing them to see that the Messiah, who was Jesus, was... In, in one sense, he was the son of David, but in another sense, he was David's Lord. He was the son of God. Now, th- there was more to the story that we didn't get to last week, so we're going to pick up today in verse 45, and we're going to read into chapter uh, 21. And today we're going to look at pride and generosity. Pride and generosity, and those two things are actually related. So if you found Luke chapter 20 and are able to, I'd like you to stand in honor of God's word. And we'll pick up in verse 45 and read down to... Chapter 21 and verse 4. It says, And while while all the people were listening, he said to the disciples, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes, and love respectful greetings in the marketplaces, and chief seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets, who devour widows' houses, and and for appearance's sake offer long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. And he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury, and he saw a poor widow putting in two small copper coins. And he said, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all of them, for they, out, for they all out of their surplus put into the offering. But she out of her poverty put in all that she had to live on. Thank you. Maybe may be seated. <coughs> now the first thing I want you to see in, uh, at, at the end of chapter 20 is that we need to beware of pride. We must beware of pride. Now, I know I've broken this up over, over a couple of weeks, but I just want you to, to kind of picture this in your mind again. Jesus is in the temple. He's in the temple complex. There are all kinds of people, just huge crowds of people that are surrounding him, trying to hear this, this, this itinerant uh, rabbi who's preaching. He's teaching. He's doing miracles there. They, they've heard all this talk about him. And so all these people have come to listen to him. And amongst the crowd are all these different political and religious Groups and so there are the scribes and the Pharisees. They got their long flowing robes. They're they're adorned with their phylacteries. They're there and 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 Jesus has put the verbal smackdown on the Sadducees. You remember they were questioning him about the resurrection and uh, and and he put them in their place. Told them that they were they were wrong about all, really all the stuff. And so um, the scribes who were kind of the opponents of the Sadducees they were congratulating Jesus, saying, "Hey, good job. That was a great answer." And so then Jesus turned the the guns and pointed them at them. And put them in their place and, and asked about the sonship of the Messiah. And so then in, in verse 45, I want you to notice what he does. Look, look again at what it says. It says, he began to speak to, to the disciples. Now he's not doing this secretly. 
He, he doesn't have a huddle and say, hey, guys, come here. I've got to tell you something and, and whisper this. If you'll notice what verse 45 says, it says, and all the people were listening. And then he said this to the disciples. He was letting them eavesdrop on a conversation and in order to warn them about the scribes. Have you ever done that? I, I, you know, maybe, maybe you were really hoping that something would happen, and so you let somebody eavesdrop while you were praying about that thing. I mean, it's, we, sometimes we, we let others in on conversations without them knowing that they're getting to hear it. And so Jesus is, is, is telling these disciples to be aware of the scribes, and all these people are listening. But remember, who is still there? The scribes. So they're hearing Jesus warn the people about them. I mean, he is pretty bold in what he's doing. Now, before we move on to the warning itself, I want to highlight something that is not going to be news to anybody here. It's not going to be some revelation of some formerly unknown truth, but it's, it's a good thing to, remem- to remember. Religious folks are susceptible to, rep- to pride as well. Religious folks are susceptible to pride as well. Now, again, I know that's not, not new, but it is worth noting. There's always been a tendency for religious people... To be holier than thou. In fact, it has been such an Achilles heel for, for people of faith to be holier than thou that that phrase actually comes from the Bible. Not in a good way. God is speaking and he does not say, be holier than thou. But instead in Isaiah 65, verses 2 and 3, God is speaking and he says, I have spread out my hands all day long to a rebellious people who walk in the way which is not good, following their own thoughts, a people who continually provoke me to my face. And then he lists some characteristics and some actions of these people that are so offensive to him. And here's what he says in verse 5. And, and these people say, Keep to yourself, do not come near me, for I am holier than thou. I am holier than you. The, these, these are smoke in my nostrils, God says, a fire that burns all the day. And what he's saying is, there are, there are people, and there have always been people, religious people, who are puffed up, who are proud, who think they are holier than everybody else. And listen, just because you go to church, just because you give money in the offering, just because you bring cans of food to our canned food drive, just because you serve in some capacity, that doesn't, that doesn't guarantee that you will be absent of pride. In fact, it may be the very source of your pride, as it was with the scribes. Now look at the warning. Look at what he says in verse 46. Now, the the particulars today are going to be different from what the scribes did, but the attitude is the same. Here's what they did. He says they liked to walk around in long robes. They wore certain clothes that attracted attention. Now, now listen. The way we dress conveys something about us. And the way that they dressed, they had had certain clothing that indicated what they did. And we have, have this today, too. Like, if you see a man... This walking around in a black shirt and a white collar, what do you think he is? A Catholic priest, right? If, if you see a woman walking along wearing a habit, what do you think she is? Probably a nun. If you, wear, if you see a, a, a person wearing a white gi and a colored belt, you think they're probably in martial arts. Okay, and so, so they had a certain garb, and when people saw it, they said, oh, there's a scribe. There's a teacher of the law. There's this respectful person. There's a, there's a holy man right there. And so their way of dress communicated something about them. And the thing is, they liked it. They liked the attention they got. They liked it whenever people would see them and, and, and pay them deference. They, they, they liked it whenever, and this is probably related to the next thing he says, 
that they wore these clothes, but then they go out into the marketplaces. They go out and they go to Walmart. They go out into the crowds. And, and they liked it when people saw them and they say, oh, and, and they maybe bow a little bit or re, refer to them with the, you know, these respectful greetings or titles. Oh, uh, most honorable rabbi or, or whatever it is. And, and they, they enjoyed that recognition. They enjoyed that esteem. But also, if you'll go on, look at what else they enjoyed. They loved getting the chief seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They liked, they, now the way that they would arrange their tables, if, if you were in a seat of honor, everybody was looking at you. Everybody could see you real easily. I mean, you didn't have to turn and, and, and crane your neck to see the place of honor. It was front and center. And they liked being up in front of everybody. They liked it whenever people had all eyes on them. They liked the attention. They liked the esteem. But as, they, as the guy on TV says, but wait, there's more. Because verse 47, he goes on, <coughs> and he shifts gears, and he says, not only, not only do they like the applause of men, but they also devour widows' houses. Now, what does that mean? They devour widows' houses. It means that obviously doesn't mean that they would literally eat their homes. But what does it mean? It means that they would desolate them. It means that they would use up all the widows' resources. We don't know all the methods they used, but most certainly they were not like in your face. They were not high-handed. They were not bold like, uh, like, like wolves that, that were on the prowl. But they were more like, Wolves in sheep's clothing. They, they were, they, 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 possibly they would use hospitality as a means to deplete the resources of the widows. Quite possibly it was by, by levying all these high tithes and offerings on these widows. And then what's worse, if you notice verse 47, they devour widows' houses and, for appearance sake, they make long prayers. Now listen, long prayers are not bad. I mean, we, we all probably would, would, would agree with the idea that we need to pray more often and we need to pray longer. The issue isn't the length of the prayer. The issue is the motivation behind the prayer. And he says that for, for appearance's sake, and I think that's, that's linked to the devouring of the widow's houses. In other words, they put on airs to make it look like they were extra holy, but in, in the process of doing all this, they were taking advantage of the poor. They, they used the guise of holiness to devastate these widows today we might say they were fleecing the flock they were financially exploiting the poor they were using faith as a means to make themselves rich at the expense of these poor widows now i just want to tell you and again this is not news to you i hope that didn't end in bible times there are people today on tv and in pulpits across this nation and across the world that use faith as a means to get rich. And they will, they'll promise you, they'll say things like this, if you'll just sow a seed of faith into my pocket, I mean into my ministry, then God will bless you. And, and they'll even, I, I saw, I've seen guys hawking holy water. I've seen guys say that if, if you'll just send them money, they'll send you a handkerchief that they, that's, that's, they prayed over and, and that, that snot rags are going to do something magical for you. Baloney! They are charlatans. 
They are fakes. They are scam artists, and they make a mockery of Christianity because they use faith to defraud people. And the scribes were doing it back then on, on maybe a different scale, but that's what they were doing. And we need to be aware of pride because pride can lead us into all kinds of, all kinds of stuff. In this case, it, 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 it led them to be puffed up and proud and like the attention, but also to, to take advantage of others. Now, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Luke next records an incident with a widow. And I, I think that part of the reason is because this is, this is an example in chapter 21 of the, of the poor widows that the scribes are taking advantage of. But also, I think it also serves as a cautionary tale not to, not to swing too far in the wrong direction. See, it'd be easy to listen to Jesus' words here and say, beware of these... Beware of these religious folks. Beware of, of, of all these people. Beware of the hucksters in, in, in churches. And to say, well, if that's, the way, if that's the way religious folks are, I'll just keep it all to myself. I'll just not be generous. I'll not give. I'll just keep it all in my own little grubby paws. Amen. But, but in this poor widow, Jesus shows us a picture of complete confidence in God. And in doing so, he's showing us generosity now look at her example in verse in chapter 21 and verse uh, verses 1 and following in the temple there were a number of horn-shaped receptacles that people would put their offerings into some of them and, and they had different purposes like there was a group of them that were for like your ties those things that were required by law but then there were others that were there to re, that they were there to collect um, what are called free will offerings, and the latter is what's in view here. So the free will offerings, that's that's something that the the law doesn't say. Hey, you need to give this amount or this this percentage or whatever. A free will offering is God has blessed me. God has helped me in some way. I want to give back to God as a way of saying thank you. And so they would bring their free will offerings, put them in the put them in the horn shaped receptacle, and 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 they would be uh, used in the temple service. No compulsion, free will. Now Jesus watches these as these rich people came in, those, those of the high society that, that, that came in, and they, they put their money in and they kind of made a show about it. They wanted people to know, hey, I'm giving a whole bunch of money. Now today is going to look a little bit different. We don't have horn-shaped receptacles. And we, we, we don't do any of that. But today it might look like, you know, how we handle it when the offering plate goes by, for instance. So maybe you might write a great big check, make sure it's, it's written great big, it's the large print edition, and you don't put it in an envelope, you don't fold it, you don't do anything, you put it face up in the offering plate so everybody that goes, it goes by might have a chance to maybe see what you've given. Or you might just so happen to mention, just, just offhandedly in conversation, you know, last week I gave X amount of dollars to this group. Pat me on the back. Or maybe, and I don't know if you would do this because you, you don't hold press conferences, but maybe those great big checks, you know what I'm talking about? You have a press conference so everybody knows you gave this group this amount of money. Listen, that's the same idea. That's the same attitude as what's going on. And, and they're wanting recognition for it. They want notoriety. And he watches them put this money in the gift and Jesus isn't impressed a bit. In fact, he says, yeah, they've given, but the poor widow has outgiven them all. Why? Well, she only has 
a couple of pennies to rub together. Now, we, when Scarlett and I got married, we were poor. And when I say poor, I mean it was ramen noodles and Aldi's sliced meat and, well, that's about it. Sometimes Totino's pizza. It was, it was, it was slim pickings at the Braddock house. Mother Hubbard's cupboard was sometimes just about bare. But compared to this woman, we were rich. Because she literally had a couple pennies to rub together. Because, I mean, it says that she gave two small copper coins and she gave all that she had to live on. So, I mean, she was, she was destitute. And we might expect, given what Jesus has just said about these scribes that misuse the funds, that misuse, uh, what's, that mistreat the widows and so forth, we might expect him to see her coming with her two small coins and just she's getting ready to put them in for him to jump up and say, Stop! Don't do that! You, that that's unreasonable. Use it, use it for yourself. Keep, use that to keep yourself going. These guys are scoundrels, he, but he doesn't say any of that. Instead, he, commands, he commends her because she's given all she has. That's radical generosity. And that's why Christians are called to live out each day. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul commends Macedonian Christians because they were, they were impoverished themselves, and yet they had given up to and even beyond their means to help out other Christians. We're in the book of Acts. We see the early church selling their possessions and giving to those in need. And they weren't doing it because some, some guy was, was twisting their arm. They weren't doing it because they were getting guilt tripped. They weren't doing it because of any of that. They were doing it out of love and they were doing it cheerfully. And what does the Bible say? God loves a cheerful giver. And I, I mean, I've seen it here many times. Right now it's our Super Bowl competition. It, it amazes me that a church that runs, we'll say an average of 25 folks on Sunday morning, including all the little kids and maybe a couple field mice, have given last year, I mean, each year we collect hundreds of cans. Last year we collected almost 3,000 cans. That's incredible. That is generosity. And that's the model that we see in, in the New Testament. You, you'll notice in the New Testament there's no command given for a certain amount or even a certain percentage to be given. Instead, we're told to give as the Lord has prospered us. And how can we do this? The same way the widow did. And how's that? She did it because she had radical faith. She gave all she had because she was convinced God would supply her needs. Isn't that what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount? He said, don't worry about the food and the clothes and all these things. God knows you have need of all those things. He'll take care of you. Just look at the birds, he said. Now, I know there are birds out all the time, but back when it snowed this last time, I saw all kinds of birds. And I don't know if it's because they stood out so much because of their color in, in contrast to the snow, or if they were just out in force trying to get the food. But it, it amazes me just to watch the birds, because they'll hop along, and I don't know how they're figuring out where to stick their beaks down, but somehow they know where a worm is. Or they know where some bug is. I mean, even when it snowed, they'll be out there. You can't see anything but white, and all of a sudden, they're, somehow they're pulling up food. God's going to take care of the birds. God's going to take care of the grass of the field. And you're worth a whole lot more than grass and birds, and he'll take care of you. God knows what you need today and tomorrow and the day after. And, and so, therefore, because... Because this widow knew that God would take care of her, that enabled her to give generously. 
And, and, and that's the lesson that we need to get from her. And, and, and maybe that's the lesson that you need to take home. You can be radically generous because you have a radical faith. Be generous, but his words of warning about the scribes and Pharisees, you need to have good sense when you do it. Because there are some charlatans out there that will take advantage. Or maybe you need to remember that God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, some I failed to mention before, but if you look back at verse 47, Jesus says these religious fakes, these people that, that pretend that they're holy, that they're, they're close to God, they put on airs, they do long prayers and so forth, they will receive what? Greater condemnation. In other words, not all punishment is going to be equal because if it was, that statement doesn't make a bit of sense. The more light you have, the more responsible you are. And though all people who put on airs and pretend to be close to God, they will receive a stricter judgment, greater condemnation. The fact of the matter is that each person apart from Jesus stands condemned. Each of us apart from Jesus will receive condemnation. And if you've never trusted Christ for salvation, you will not go to heaven. You will go to hell. There's no second chances after death. There's no other way about it. There's no annihilation. There's no soul sleep. At the point of death, you stand before God and you go to either heaven or hell for eternity. And that's why, again, I've, I've said this a number of times, but every time I stand before you, I, I plead with you and I offer, turn to Christ and live. And that's, what I, that's why I plead with you today. You may look at yourself and say, well, I'm not spiritually proud. I, I'm generous. I, I keep my nose clean. I do all these things. That may be, but without Jesus, you're lost. Your best is not good enough. Therefore, repent of your sin and turn to God in, for salvation. Once you stand with me as the musician comes. Now as you stand, I ask you to bow your heads and turn, uh, close your eyes. And with nobody looking around, again, I would encourage you to take stock of your, of your life, take stock of your heart. First question you need to ask is, are you really saved? Are you truly a Christian? If not, you need to become one today. If you are a Christian, the next question you need to ask is, are you proud? Are you puffed up with spiritual pride because you've had some position in the church? Are you puffed up with pride because you've read your Bible all the way through? Maybe a whole bunch of times. Are you generous? Do you hold what you have with an open hand? Do you give freely? 
Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a gracious and a loving Heavenly Father. Thank you that you have given us a way of salvation through Jesus Christ. And Lord, I'm praying for those who are here me today, whether they're here or somewhere else, maybe even another point in time. God, I pray that you would touch their hearts and let them become your child. And God, for those of us who are Christians, I pray that you'd help us to have a radical faith in you, which in turn leads to a radical generosity. God, I pray that you'd help each of us to be aware of that pride that can creep up in our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would do your will in this time. In Jesus' name, amen.